Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. What makes Kyle Shanahan, the San Francisco 49ers head coach, so special? We get the answer from a quarterback who's seen this Super Bowl stage with Shanahan. Also, the NBA trade deadline went crazy, and we give you our Super Bowl predictions. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All right, we're here. Radio Rose Super Bowl 58. Matt Ryan. Now at CBS. Of course, longtime Atlanta Falcon. And this is this is such a cool thing to be here, Las Vegas. And you you've been through this as a player. Yeah. Now you're doing it as as media. A little bit different feel. What did you when you first went through this as a player? What did what did what was different than what you expected? Just kind of the size, the scale of, of everything. I mean, you kind of anticipate that, but then you get there and you see it, and you're like, man, it's every everywhere around the world. You know, it's it's not just here in the United States. I mean, you got people from from all over all over the globe that, that are here covering this game. And you understand how big the outreach is to all of those things. So uh, to me, it, it's impressive to, to see the size and the scale of, uh, you know, Radio Row and, and the amount of media that's here at Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan was, was your offensive coordinator in Atlanta. You, you had that incredible 2016 MVP run. When, when did you know with Kyle, like, this guy just thinks about the game in a different way? Early on, I mean, you know, just the intensity of how he game plans, you know, how important it is to him, uh, the amount of work that he puts in. Uh, the, the, he's not scared of trying new things and, and doing things differently. Um, so early on, uh, you knew, okay, this guy's different. You know, this is this is different from uh, other coaches that I've been around. And uh, I had a blast working with him for the, the two years that we were together. Learned a ton. And uh, we played some good football, and uh, I'm rooting for him. I mean, this is a guy that, that when you're in the trenches with somebody and you see how important it is to them uh, and, and you become friends and, and then you see them have success, you know, moving on, you, you're happy for people when they get that. And hopefully at some point here uh, he can be a Super Bowl champion. Did you have any inkling when you were when you were in the trenches, as you said, that like Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, they'd be now two of the star coaches in the league just a couple years later? Yeah, it's interesting. So Matt was our quarterback coach. Um, and Kyle being the OC, like it was only a matter of time. I thought Kyle was, was going to get one of the, one of these jobs, but I was like, okay, I, I can see LaFleur as, as a coordinator, you know, he's going to be a coordinator here or whatever. And then quickly two years and then boom. Yeah. And, and he's a head coach and has done a great job, uh, in green Bay. I think the development of Jordan love, all of those things, you know, though, as a player, even as their position coaches, the guys that are, are going to project into something else right they've got bigger plans and and both those guys i always thought for me it was lafleur I, I for sure thought he was going to be a coordinator and kyle was definitely going to be a head coach can you think of a, a play or or something maybe from practice where kyle laid something out for you so this is exactly what's going to happen on this play and you're like i don't know and then it played out exactly that way i mean there's there's a lot of times <laughs> a lot of times that happened you know where you'd be like you got to trust me on this and a lot of it was off of what we did in the play action, kind of turning your back to the line of scrimmage, ripping your eyes around, and really trusting that things were going to be there because the vision was going to be a little bit blurry. 
Uh, and to me, you know, that, that happened a handful of times early on. It was like, okay, all right, we got action. We're, we're, we're going to be okay. Can you give some context? Because I think for, for someone like me, it's hard for me to understand exactly why the turning the back of the defense thing is so different from just like, okay, I'm just going to grip it and rip it and go like, what, what is it that, that changes the picture? Like what makes that so difficult? There is no picture, yeah. you know? And so, and so that's the thing that is difficult. You, you've really got to um, have an understanding of what the coverage is before the ball snapped. And a lot of times there's tons of adjustment that you're going to see through that, you know, through that time. But if you're dropping back, you can see it. When your back is turned and you're in there selling the fake, because the fake is the most important part of the play. Right. It's about getting them to believe that you're running the football. It's got to look, feel, smell like a run. Uh, that that part is the key. But you only have, you know, from that time you fake, turn around, that ball's got to be coming out. So you've got, you know, a millisecond to be able to diagnose what that space looks like, and it requires a lot of trust. And so um, that part is is tough. You just have no eyes down the field. You have to yeah. have a level of trust there. How have you seen Shanahan, and, and really, it's, it's the Shanahan tree now, because, you know, you got LaFleur, Stefanski, McDaniel, all these guys have, have taken in, put it, their spin on it. What What is it that you think is so elastic about the, the core of that offense? Starts starts with the run game. And as explosive and dynamic as as, as these offenses are, there's a commitment to running the football uh, and and a commitment to staying with it, even when it's not pretty early. You look at what San Francisco has done throughout the playoffs. To me, their commitment to running the football is what has allowed them. And, and the first half of games in their, in their two games have not been great. No. But they stick with it, right? And it, and it eventually it starts to compound, right? Wears out a defense, but it also starts to open things up in the passing game. And I think all of these guys have learned that. They all do it in their own way, but there's a commitment to running the football and sticking with it uh, and, and realizing the benefits that come with that, not only for protection, but in terms of wearing a defense down. Uh, and that's, to me, you know, the kind of, it's kind of boring, but it's the secret sauce to, to them having success. Did there have to be conversations? Because you were you were a quarterback who, even going back to, to you know, your days at BC, you were traditional, like, pocket quarterback, I want to see everything, I can make adjustments at the line where you had to have a conversation with, with Kyle. I'm thinking about, you know, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers having to have the same sort of conversations about, hey, you just got to, like, trust this, whereas you're used to having more control over what what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it was very collaborative uh, when we were together. I, I always appreciated that from Kyle. It was like, okay, hey, here's what I've seen from, like, an evaluation part of, of the seven years prior to him getting there. Here's what I think you do well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and here's what I think we can fit this into. We were like, yeah, that's actually a longer list of things that I do well, your Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I, I got a few more. Yeah, yeah a few more that, that I think I can do. But um, so I thought it was always, you know, very collaborative. He puts a lot on the quarterback, though, um, in terms of getting in and out of plays and getting them into the right stuff. And I think there's uh, – there's a lot that you do for him, like a lot that Brock Purdy is doing for him on the field as well, right? He's piecing together these two or three plays that you come to the line of scrimmage with, but there's got to be recognition of it from the quarterback position to get him into the right stuff because that's what he wants. He wants you running you know, running certain run plays versus premier fronts and, and throwing certain passes versus man or zone or cover two or cover one, whatever it may be. Uh, he wants you to get you in those right plays, and, and uh, that was something I always liked and, and I think something Brock Purdy does really well. Stay up to date all year on the NFL by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On NFL on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, we get you ready for Super Bowl 58. But before that, we've got lots of NBA trades to discuss. 
Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for who's going to score, who's going to score first, how many points are going to be scored, and so much more. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, what are you waiting for? New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. One last check on the Super Bowl point spread before the weekend. We're standing firm. 49ers favored by two and a half over the Chiefs. Ugh, this is agonizing. I'm, the, the Sharps like the 49ers, so I got to go with the Sharps. They know. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join in on the Super Bowl fund. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports today here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Mavericks are adding to Luka and Kyrie by bringing in P.J. Washington. Yeah, with this P.J. Washington Grant Williams swap, and it's kind of essentially that. The Mavs paid to improve from Grant Williams to P.J. Washington. That seems yes. to be what it is. The Mavs have been undersized. They're basically under... Without Derek Lively, he's been injured a little bit here and there. Without him, they're basically undersized at every single position that they have. And so they just needed to add some size somewhere. And so P.J. Washington is only an inch taller than Grant Williams. That adds. Some people say an inch like that matters. And then yeah. he also has a seven foot two wingspan. And that is a really big deal for the Mavericks. They were both in the same draft. There's a lot of draft people today talking about that they were arguing about who's better P.J. Washington and Grant Williams and now the Mavericks have made that decision for them that P.J. Washington hopefully is better than Grant Williams overall he can also get his own shot a little bit here and there he's not you're not going to try and give him the ball and like clear him out and let him go in space he scored 40 points a couple times in his career he can mm -hmm. hit the three really well he's going to get some wide wide open shots for you know from Luka and Kyrie and so I think he just fits in really well. You can also now slot Derek Jones Jr. as a backup instead of trying to have him as a starter. Dante Exum has filled in really well as a starter. And Josh Green has filled in really well as a starter. So like you're starting to, to put this all together. And they give up a first-round pick, which is it's not it's not great for the Mavericks to keep having to fix some of their mistakes with, you know, they signed Grant Williams, they traded a, you know, 20-30 pick swap for him, and then they now have to trade a first-round pick to upgrade from Grant Williams and try to make up for that mistake. And so that that doesn't feel that great, but overall, it, it does feel like a step forward for the Mavericks, and it's a, kind of like a, a really aggressive move for them. The Knicks got Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah, Tanitra, it's, it's it's the reburking, and we're all a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, no, no one's more excited than Tom Thibodeau. Like he's he, he's somewhere right now, like covered in sweat, like hands are are, are shaking as they do, and he gets excited. He he could not be more thrilled to have Alec Burks back on this roster. But personally, personally, I hate to differ with Coach Tibbs, but Bojan Bogdanovic is, is is the prize piece of this trade. Um, you noted it. The Knicks were the third best offense in the NBA last year in the regular season in the playoffs. I think only the Cleveland Cavaliers ended up being worse. The Knicks. In fact, might have ended up being the worst offense in the postseason last year. And Jalen Brunson was electric. He was incredible, like particularly in the second round series against the Heat. His, his yes. game translated to postseason basketball, even if even if Candace Parker doesn't believe it, um, better than anyone could have uh, possibly anticipated. And he's he's been even better this year. He's 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 a bona fide superstar. The issue last year was at least offensively, defensively, the Knicks were were sublime. Yes. Um, offensively, he had zero help. The Thunder are adding Gordon Hayward. 
Yeah, I think that when you look at Gordon Hayward, everything that he does well is something that the Thunder can get him going with, with it, which it's like transition buckets. He's over a point uh, per possession in transition. The Thunder love to get out and run. He finishes plays on cuts, 1.3 points per possession on cuts. And then he knocks down catch and shoot jumpers, 42% on catch and shoot, 52% on unguarded catch and shoot. Those are looks that the Thunder can routinely get for him with their drive-heavy offense, uh, where they drive and kick with SGA, with J-Dub. And so the Thunder, while rebounding has been an issue, a bigger issue for them has been their dry spells because they take that lack of rebounding and turn it into an advantage for them, going quick, uh, getting out and running in transition. But whenever they go through these scoring lulls, that's what really causes them to lose games uh, throughout this season. Gordon Hayward goes a long ways in stopping that. Probably one of the more surprising moves of the deadline is the one that will not happen. DeJounte Murray is staying in Atlanta. Even up to last night, there were reports that conversations were being had between the Atlanta Hawks leadership with the New Orleans Pelicans leadership, and there was an attempt to even trade DeJounte Murray, Clint Capella, and Anyeka Okongwu, although we never quite got information on what the Pels were going to be giving up in exchange for getting those three players. I know for me, Jarvis, that was the one, and we'll talk about a few of those other trade rumors as well, but that was probably the one that was frustrating to me the most because I felt like unless the Hawks were going to really get something that was going to put them in position to make a run, I don't think you just give away everything and just unless you're you want to put this in rebuild mode. So I don't know about you, but I'm pretty glad and I'm pretty confident it was the right move for the Hawks not to just make a move to make a move, not to rush into a trade, but to do the thing that made the most sense long term, short term and long term. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, when you give up a three first round picks and for DeJounte Murray and you're what, a year and a half, almost two years in, and then you got your new coach who came in with the last 20 some odd games of last season, you just didn't really start getting the feel for it. You got you to let that thing play out. The Raptors also a surprise team as they approach the deadline like a, a buyer. They made two trades, one where they added Spencer Dinwiddie. Huh? Uh, same, kind of same. Like my direct quote. Um, yeah, this is a weird one. And yeah. ultimately, it's a money move uh, from basically every indication, right? Dennis Schroeder was due about 13 million bucks next year on the second year and last year of his contract. Spencer Dinwiddie is about 18 million bucks coming off the books this summer. Dad Young also about 8 million bucks coming off the books. So the Raptors add what? The math is hurting my brain. But instead of having 8 million bucks come off the books, they get. Uh, 10 million bucks it's it's a nice little extra bit of savings i suppose and another where they traded away a first round pick for kelly olenic and oj obaji yeah i think like the first blush from a lot of people was wow the raptors are trading a first round pick for an expiring kelly olenic why would they buy right now they're 18 and 33 but i think that kind of misses the point of what the raptors are doing here the raptors with the pascal siakam trade got three first round picks two of which are in the back part of this year's first round. They also, in the OG Ananobi trade, got what's probably going to be the 31st overall pick from the Detroit Pistons. So having three picks in the back part of this draft, it's, there's a surplus to it, right? There's only mm-hmm. so much you can do with three rookies coming in. And sure. I think here the Raptors have made a decision to use one of those picks. It's the one that, like you said, it's co- sort of in that sort of hybrid of four teams 
different fates in the standings, but ultimately, it's probably going to be the Clippers or the Thunder pick, which is going to be 28th, 29th in this year's draft. So they use that pick to get a guy in Ochai Baji, who I think they view as a more likely player to become a rotation piece in Scotty Barnes' early prime over the next couple years here than unnamed Teenager X, who they might take in this year's draft. Buddy Heald, headed to the city of brotherly love. This will be their first like legitimate three-point shooter since they trade Seth Curry in, in February 2022, um, right? Yeah. So this is the first time that they have like a designated like knockdown three-point shooter. And what you said is it's going to help Tyrese Maxey out. You know, right now he's struggling because guys are blitzing him and yep. he can't really maneuver. Now you have a guy who's going to create space. It's going to open up things for Tobias Harris as well. And, you know, the hope is when big fella Joel Embiid comes back, if he does come back this season, you know, you'll have a guy who can be a, a space setter, like something that they can run the offense like they did with Joel Embiid and J.J. Redding. Coming up, we preview the matchup of Super Bowl 58. The Niners, they're looking for revenge. The Chiefs are looking to continue their dominance. And think of maybe another D word, dynasty. Who will win our Locked on Chiefs and Locked on 49ers hosts? got together to discuss. 49ers 28, Kansas City Chiefs 27. The 49ers, for the third straight game, win but don't cover. They win by one single point. It's a nail-biter. Kyle Shanahan gets his Lombardi 49ers first Super Bowl win in 29 years. Croc, what's your prediction? I I hope that your prediction comes true. You know, I've been on record of saying like I am kind of scared of Mahomes because I think he does whatever is needed to be done if he has to come back from a score 24-0 in the postseason we've seen him do that if he has to come back from a 10 point double digit lead in the uh, championship game and then the Super Bowl we've seen him do that I don't know what it's really going to take to really kind of slay this guy but I'm hoping the 49ers can do it I'm picking the 49ers I'm picking 49ers I think the 49ers I think the 49ers have the better overall team. I think they have a lot of talent, a lot of good things. This is the best version of the 49ers we've seen. Uh, defense, slightly, uh, slight fall off there. But hopefully the offense is good enough to overcome any deficiencies from the defense. I got the 49ers winning 27-24. And I got to say, my, my prediction includes the 49ers not dropping a ball if Patrick Mahomes does throw it to him. You got to take advantage of it if that kind of thing does happen. Also includes a Jake Moody missed field goal. That's why I got 28 points. Four touchdowns, no field goals for the 49ers in this one. Does it include the uh, refs not missing a blatant holding call on Nick Bosa because that might have been able to win the game the last time they played in the championship. And they will not throw a blatant missed offensive P.I. call on George Kittle that shouldn't have been called either. So the refs are going to be on the up and up because there is no (laughs) script, guys, and it'll be proven on Sunday. Chris, what you got? You know, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes, and I have to say, Croc, I know you're scared of Mahomes. The thing that is, I think, one of the scariest things, and we haven't even said this and talked about it at all, Mahomes is actually going into his first Super Bowl, I think, healthy. Like, he has been – you know, hurt just about every other time they played in the Super Bowl, and now he's going into it healthy. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think Kansas City is going to score uh, probably around 24. I think they're going to hold San Francisco to 17. A defensive battle. Ryan, what you got? Last prediction. 
That's actually lower than me, but I, I see this as, as a blow for blow. This is this is Rocky too. I mean, um, Rip Carl Weathers. Like th- this is going to yes. go back and forth all day long. I don't see the the craziness that we've seen in some Super Bowls. I think it's going to be tactical. Uh, Spags, you you mentioned off the top, Mister Peacock. Spags versus Shanahan. It just in the evolution through adjustment after adjustment after adjustment. I know it's a little weird, and I don't usually do this, but I think the hero of this game is going to be Butker. I think the Chiefs <laughs> win it 23-20 at the end off the foot of Harrison Butker. Well, if the Chiefs uh, win, I hope it's Richie James that's the hero, former 49er and a friend of the podcast. And finally, Patrick Beverly is headed to the Milwaukee Bucks as first reported by Patrick Beverly. The first one to tweet out breaking news usually gets shouted out by all the top reporters. When they talked about Pat Bev heading to Milwaukee, they had to credit the Pat Bev pod for being the first to report it. The legend of Pat Bev in Milwaukee growing already. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports today here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, will a Super Bowl win silence the doubters of Brock Purdy? Or will it elevate Patrick Mahomes to GOAT status? We'll find out, so at least until tomorrow. Stay Locked On Sports today.